Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about some good news for housing from the jobs report and whether we've finally seen the top for mortgage rates. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Happy Jobs Friday. And the only thing I have to say right now is land the bleeping plane, Jay. Land the plane. Come on, McFly. What's the data been telling us for so long? It's not the 1970s. You baby boomers have to give this up. Okay, so uh, we're talking about Jobs Friday. It's Friday morning right now. And I think the last time I saw the 10-year yield was uh, 4.51%. So it's it's a very wild, extreme week on the bond market side. And again, one of the things we've tried to emphasize, when the market really believes that the Fed has done hiking rates, the history of this is that mortgage rates go lower, bond yields rally, meaning yields go down. So there was no need. It was so unnecessary for the Fed two meetings ago to go hawkish. There was no point in it, right? There's nothing. It's so frustrating. Oh my God, it's so fr- We wasted like six to seven weeks for no reason out here. And um, uh, hopefully we can start the process of talking about landing the plane and stop this 1970s wages are spiraling out of control. We have to destroy it. No, 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 no. It's not. It never was. It was a global pandemic. That's what all the data looks like. Wage growth has been slowing down since... January of 2022, uh, uh, and just land the plane. So hopefully this is it. That was it. That was the peak in rates. And we follow the history of economics and uh, uh, the Fed becomes a little bit more uh, friendly in the sense of talking less hawkish. That's what we want, less hawkish. And God, if another Fed member comes out and goes, we need another rate hike, we need to know, just shut up. Just shut up. Come on. Okay, so uh, the the jobs report wasn't terrible in the sense that if you adjust to the uh, uh, people that are on strike, but it's just showing that the labor market is balancing back up and that's what the Fed wanted. So there's no need to push it at this stage. After all the rate hikes, after everything, there's no need to create a job loss recession. It's over. You're going to lose your credibility from my, everyone that's been trying to say this. If we were in the 1970s inflationary mode, inflation would be going up, up, Jay. Wage growth would be going up, not slowing down like it has with a tighter labor market, with the economy growing, with job openings you know, near 10 million. Okay, adapt, adjust, be nimble. Okay, so that's my morning rant. <laughs> we appreciate that rant. So, um, you know, we have had an entire week of data and you just sort of um, recap some of that with the job openings and all that. But for you, it's been key to where mortgage rates are going because where bond markets are going has always been tied to labor, to the labor market and what's going on with jobs. And also, I mean, it has an inflation story to tell, but kind of break down why you think this jobs report should be the 
the nail in the coffin for higher rates. Well, it, it, it's a, it's a trend. It isn't just one one report. Nobody nobody should look at one report and um, talk about okay, we need to make an entire monetary policy. So let me give everyone an, an example here. Uh, I track economic cycles first. Housing is a secondary. So. Let's go back to the COVID-19 recovery model. COVID-19 recovery model, April 7th, 2020. We are recovering this year, folks. There's going to be no depression, okay? The labor market structures are different here. Demographics are different. We have the baby boomers leaving the workforce, right? Household balance sheets are better now. 30-year fixed mortgage, right? Everything's good on that front. Once behavior changes, it goes back. Now, the second phase after we retired the COVID-19 recovery model on December 9th, 2020, is the labor market. And the keys were, we're going to get all the jobs back by September of 2022. Guess what? We got all the jobs back by September of 2022, right? And then the third is that we had a missed jobs report. I think it was in May of 2021. And people were like, oh my God, we're paying people not to work. No, we had the biggest job numbers with $600 weekly unemployment insurance, okay? The, the data is going gonna, is gonna to work itself out, but we're going to get the job openings 10 million. So I tripled down on that. I think job openings were under 7 million. We got, we got up to as high as 12 million. But if you look at it in this aggregate, if there was no COVID-19 with the labor force growth, immigration, population growth, everything, we should be between 157 million to 159 million total employment. And we are going to go in that direction. So naturally the job data are going to slow down. So this notion of, you know, these higher, stronger job prints that are, are they inflationary? No, they're part of a global pandemic recovery, right? There's some disjointed in, in the entire economic equilibrium. So it has to work itself out, but it's going to naturally slow down. You don't have to worry about this. So here we are, Sarah. We're in November of 2023. Guess where we are in total employment? We're about 156,932,000. We're so close to being just back to normal. And that's the key, right? And then uh, when we're normal, wage growth is going to slow down. Uh, things are going to be back to normal. There's no 1970s entrenched inflation. If that was the case, wage growth would be rising. The growth rate of inflation would be rising. They're slowing down together. So you don't have to crash the plane. And I hope everyone in the country, I hope every report just, just bombards the Fed on this. Change your course. Land the plane. Okay. So um, the what we've done with the labor side of this economic cycle post-COVID, everything kind of looks right in that context. So um, uh, there's a lot of noise in this report. We had negative revisions, but it just looks like the same trend. It looks perfectly normal to me. When you make some uh, COVID-19 adjustments, everything looks normal. There is no runaway inflation, runaway wages, runaway like that. So you don't need to overdo it. That was the frustration part of the uh, Fed meeting two, two meetings ago when they were really hawkish after all the rate hikes, after the 10-year yield was above 4%. The 10-year yield really should not have gone above four and a quarter. Um, um, and then bond traders went crazy. And now there's a lot of people that were short the bond market. So their trades are getting killed. So naturally we're gonna, we're getting very overbought conditions this week is crazy. We went from like 4.94%, uh, to, uh, 4.50% a very short amount of time, not normal activity. But when you get into stages of tops or bottoms, you get a lot of volatility 
Uh, and that's why I say it looks like to me, and we've been talking about this for something, it looks like the kind of the top end of the market because of the volatility and how wild. And God, I got him staying up like till 12 and one o'clock in the morning looking at overnight 10 year trading. Scott just went over with that. Uh, uh, and just land the plane and let's just get back to normal and we don't need to overdo it. Okay. So you know what my, my what my question is going to be always. What does this mean for mortgage rates? What what are we looking at? Mortgage rates are lower. We're heading to we're not that far from seven percent. The pricing gets normal and the spreads are getting better. We're closer to seven percent now than we are uh, uh, at eight percent. So, and you, we've talked about this. How do, how does mortgage rates get to eight percent? Well, the economy has to be very firm. GDP was good, but the labor market, jobless claims are still low, and then the Fed mistake. They messed up two two uh, uh, two meetings ago. They didn't need to be as hawkish. So hopefully now we'll forgive them. But this means going out in the forward. You can't do this hawkish stuff. And for somebody do do not let Neil Kashkari come on TV again and go. Oh my God, mortgage rates at seven percent. People might buy homes. Just go away. Go away. Leave. Okay. Let the economy work itself out. You don't need to do anything aggressive now. You've already done take the victory and let it go, right? So this isn't a pivot discussion, um, but the unemployment rate has jumped up 0.5% uh, from the lows. Uh, if you take the Claudia Shaw rule, which Claudia Shaw used, uh, used to be the economist for the Federal Reserve as a friend of mine, she made a model where the recession is basically here when the unemployment rate <clears throat> goes up half a percent. For me, it's economic cycles really just move around jobless claims data at this stage, but there's no need to push it because not only have we got the unemployment rate up, not only is wage growth slowed down, productivity. Oh my God, the productivity numbers were good. That was uh, that was a welcome sight. And I, I can't stress enough how important it was to have that productivity growth because the Fed is like, hey, listen, if we get productivity growth back, you know, that, 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 that in itself could be a reason to cut rates, you know, especially with a 10 year yield as high as it was uh, next year, if the growth rate of inflation falls down. So just land the plane. Uh, this week was good in that sense that uh, for the productivity numbers to me were, were the most, was the best number. Job growth looks normal to me. Uh, jobless claims rose up a little bit. Continuing claims. I know a lot of people see the continuing claims accelerating higher. Just remember, continuing claims has a seasonal quirk in it. It does this seasonal increase toward the second half of the year, and then it tops out and goes lower. You want to look at a headline jobless claim. Jobless claims data is still uh, very low historically. But again, all this is happening with the growth rate of inflation falling and wage growth falling. That was not the 1970s. So let's move on. Let's get rates lower. Let's get the economy going. And uh, uh Land the plane. There's no reason anymore. Land the plane. Okay, land the plane. But do you think that means rate cuts this year? No, right? I mean, you don't. You no, don't no. I mean, anything. no, no. There's no. There's no rate cut discussion. I, I'm not a Fed pivot person because I tr- truly believe the Fed is naturally old and slow, and they're just they just don't operate that way unless you have a noticeable decline in activity. Um, so uh, we are just we're in the stage where we're hope we're like flashing you know, airplane signs. Hello, hello, come over, land here, land here. So uh, you don't need rate cuts for the t- for mortgage rates to go down, um, but you need the 10-year yield. So as we've always talked about, Sarah, that slow dance, 
since 1971. 1971, 10 year yield goes up, mortgage rates go up. 10 year yield goes down, mortgage rates go down. That those love couple dance partners there. They have never strayed from us. Now the spreads are are wide historically now. But if you get lower spreads, the 10 year yield going, you you're you're easily going to get under 7% mortgage rates again. There there was no there was no need for mortgage rates to get to 8%. The economy was not, you know, accelerating on inflation data getting out of control. So no rate cuts, no Fed pivot. We just want them to land the plane. And the the, the housing market revolves around the 10-year yield and what that goes upon. And uh, it, it was a good week in the sense that wage growth is cooling and productivity is up. I can't stress to you how good it is, the productivity data going up. And that's a positive direction from... People saying, oh, that, you know, the Fed has to hike another percent. The 10 year yield has to go to six. No, we don't. Real yields were already restrictive when we were under four and a quarter. It just got very restrictive uh, uh, after. So uh, we want the economy to expand. We don't want to talk about needing a job loss recession. We don't need to have pain. We need to evolve ourselves from this mindset of economic cycles about creating recessions because it needs to cleanse. No, we can move this forward. It's a global pandemic. It happened. We've seen this before. There's an inflationary period, and then there's a disinflationary period. No rate cuts. There's no Fed pivot coming, but at least the bond market is, like we talked last time, getting ahead, right? And it still has a lot more work to get ahead of the Fed, but a very, very wild week. Very intense. I mean, very intense last few weeks out here. And uh, hopefully things start to calm down because I, I could tell you this. Uh, one of the things I talked about on social media, it's not a healthy thing when mortgage rates move half a percent in days. To go from seven and a half to eight percent, then two days later from eight percent down to seven and a half percent. You know, I understand the um how when you have violent moves in rates, just being in contract, right? You know, there are people out there that when rates went from seven and a half to eight percent, they can't qualify. They have to get out of contract. Then three days later, it's below seven and a half percent. It's like that. That's why it's not a healthy thing. That's what you know. We used to talk about this. The mortgage rates in America look like a third world country. Last year, we went from three to six, six to five, five to seven and a half. It's just that this is the United States of America. We should not be that uh, uh, unstable with mortgage rates. So uh, a calmness, some nice slow dance music and things to settle down and in, in this front and we'll take it from there of course the labor market is not breaking there's not there's nothing going on there on that side but you don't have to force a job loss recession which has been number one for us here for some time the growth rate of inflation will fall this is the history of global pandemics going all the way down to amsterdam back in 1600s you know stuff like that we we know this <laughs> we've seen this before yeah so let me let me ask you. So this time last year, what we saw was falling rates just for a little bit, and that um, that meant that people jumped back in the market. We had purchase apps go up, which meant you know we had sales in the in the first quarter, and you sort of identified a, a range there of like five point nine nine percent was going to be like once it got to that, you we would see we would see this jump. Do you do you have a range right now where you're like, hey, if we get to X, we might see that? So here's the thing, the Purchase application data is so low. We're back to 1995 levels, by the way. TLC Waterfalls was one of the top songs back then. <laughs> so in any case, that's what we're dealing with. Because we have such a low bar, it doesn't take much to move the needle. Now, what happened is 
yeah, guess what? What happened last year, November 9th? Remember November 9th, we talked about, okay, you know, the sales are going to get down to 4 million. Guess what? We're already at 4 million. So can we have a repeat? Yes, we can, but we need to see how the forward-looking data is because now we're, we're going to have some data that's working with higher rates. Then we have to track the weekly. See, this is why the weekly tracker is key because things can change very fast, both up or down on rates, and it can change the data. So if we get continuation here, right? Uh, we can have somewhat of a repeat last year. Now, last year was different because we went from seven and a quarter, you know, seven, excuse me, 7.375 down to 5.99. We had three months of lower rates duration took us down to, you know, that Gandalf line that we bounced off from. So we're far from that. Uh, um, but like I said, when you're working from a very low bar in sales, it doesn't take much to move the needle. That's the whole thing with the new home sales sector. Like new home sales sectors were so low, uh, people thought, well, we have to get down to 250, 300,000 new home sales and the forward-looking new home sales data started to get better. So we'll be able to track this. This is why it's very key. Whenever the 10-year yield makes a reversal or a big moves, we follow the tracker, we follow forward-looking data. Uh, and then we take it from there. God, this is going to be so exciting for 2024 because this is supposed to be my last year next year. You know, 2024 was it. There was no plan to do anything uh, after that. And uh, uh, we're, we have somewhat of a similar backdrop, but we need a 10-year yield to go much lower uh, for this to work. And we need the 10-year yield to go lower and, and stay lower with duration. Duration is always key uh, with data, but uh, what a crazy week. What a crazy week this has been. Uh, in a crazy period of time, there's nothing normal. And just to put this into the magic hat of all the crazy weeks and days we've had uh, post-COVID. Uh, uh, but again, it's 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 not the healthiest thing when rates can even move almost 75 basis points or 1% lower when people are in contract and like, oh my God, I got locked at 8% and now it's 7.37. You know, it's just, that's, that's why it, it's not a healthy thing, both up or down. It's interesting to look at this time last year and think that 5.99 was, you know, was a thing. And then now we're like, we're super excited about if it's in the low sevens, that could, that could spur more people to jump in the market. Like it's so crazy where we are this year versus last year. And also just like the psychological part about rates. If you've been seeing 888 and it goes down into the low sevens, that might be, you know, you might think this is the best. I'm going to get. I need to jump in if you're if you're someone who's already needed to buy. Sarah, I'm not a fan of the sideline home buyer. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a I'm not a fan. I just think there's natural demand curves in, in housing economic data that has been very simple uh to read and what we have always seen after 2010 because remember after 2010 qualified mortgage laws are in place. Whenever rates rise and it's rise with duration, demand falls. Whenever rates fall, falls with duration, demand picks up. Because of the equilibrium of the supply and demand imbalances or imbalances of a housing market, if you're working from a lower level, that marginal home buyer that was waiting for rates to fall, you know, picks it up. But um, we still have this massive core buyer every single year, that 4 million level that I've always talked about. That's always there. So we're working off the edges. So the edges actually can increase in demand because we're working from a lower level or, you know, working from a higher level, guess what? Uh, sales could fall. So it's early in this process, but just like last year, you know, last year we were talking, remember last year we were trying to convince people that 
hey, listen, the forward-looking data is getting better. Housing isn't crashing anymore. And I was like, no, no, you're a shell. Uh, home prices are going to fall 10, 50%. I write charts from 1929 and all this stuff. Listen, let everyone, 99% of the stuff out there is garbage. It's always been garbage. And you don't listen to stock traders, okay? You do not, out of all the groups and people, you don't listen to stock traders. Stock traders don't track housing data. Stock traders take technical levels on charts and they just make up something. This is not the case. We have forward-looking housing data that actually matters because purchase application, somebody actually has to file a purchase application data, right? There's an affordability index, right? They buy a home through a process. That process looks out 30 to 90 days. That's how it's always worked. So we will need to track this more carefully now, now that rates have fallen, but we need more follow through because if you can get rates to 6% again, stabilization in the data is there, but it actually showed us we could actually grow from these levels. If we were working from like 5.3 million existing home sales, that's not going to be the case. You still have room to go down, except we had the biggest home sale crash. This is why I've always tried to emphasize first. We literally had the biggest home sale crash in history last year. And, you know, people are, those buyers are still there, right? So you're looking at a two and a half million spread of buyers that were in the system. That was with much lower mortgage rates. However, the equilibrium of that group, you know, if you get to 6%, what we, what do we see? We saw one of the biggest month-to-month sales prints ever recorded in history with rates just getting to 6% because that that spread, that buyer right there is there. They're just waiting for lower rates and lower rates with duration, time, right? So people can make choices, right? You have your leases. You have to realize, oh, do I need to do my lease again for another year? Or, you know, I'm selling my home. I feel much comfortable if rates are at six and a quarter than 8%. You know, I can't qualify at 8%, but I can qualify at seven and a quarter. So there's all these things going in play. And this is why tracking forward looking data the history of US economics for housing. If you track forward looking data, it does work just because, you know, housing looks out. It's a process. It's not like a stock that you sell or buy within two seconds. You have to fill out an application. You have to look for a house. You have to place it off. There are all these things. It's not a very liquid marketplace. So stay away from stock traders. Follow actual data. We'll be here. This is why we created the tracker so everyone could actually see this. And if it does have material changes, we'll see it in the forward-looking data. But first things first, you can't grow the housing market unless the 10-year yield starts falls and falls with duration. Right. So I just want to point out that what you just described was sideline homebuyers. I mean, it, it literally, that was- No, no, no the no, side, no. The side, the, the no, sideline homebuyers. So there are people who are, who are waiting, and when it gets to a certain percent, they're going to jump in. I know, but the people, people say the sideline homebuyer, they come to the market when rates are going up. That's okay, the problem well, I have with the sideline home buyer. If okay, you go, so if you, way I'm, I'm literally, that. literally Google sideline home buyers and you can see these TV media people go, oh, mortgage rates ran up because the sideline home buyer rushed to the market to change. No, that's not, that's not how it works. There's this whole process of home buying. Okay. So naturally somebody actually had already thought about buying a house they can't buy right now because rates are too high or they wanted. Okay. It's the process, but the, the sideline home buyer was actually something where Oh, rates went up. So purchase application data went up this week because of sideline home buyers. Okay. Well, what I'm talking about is exactly what you just described, which is there are people ready to buy. A lot of your demographic work looked at these at 2020 to 2024 and said, we have this huge demographic patch of people hitting peak home buying age. And those people have been sidelined 
Well, I can use a different word if that one triggers you. But I, mean, I if, if you want to, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of the pent up demand. But you could you could actually see because rates went up so much so fast that the sales had decreased so much that there is a spread of buyers out there waiting for rates. That's that's perfectly normal. Okay, so I will I use pent up demand from now on so that you don't you don't think I'm saying <laughs> no. You, you could you listen, Sarah. You could use sideline home buyer. You could use mortgage rate lockdown. <laughs> You could. I, I. I encourage you to use and the words you need right to do. I've just. I've. I've just. I've done this so long that when I when I think of sideline home buyer, I think of you know people on TV saying, "Oh, well, mortgage rates ran up quarter percent. People rushed to go buy their house." I thought, I don't know. That's not how it works, you know. Or you know, rates fell down. You know, people rushed to. No, I mean, I mean, no, that doesn't you, make. You have sense. to see these big moves. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just. Key, we want to keep it simple. Rates go down, demand picks up. Rates go up, demand goes down, right? Uh, we don't have to give these marketing terms to it, but uh, it, it, we're now. Hopefully, this continues in terms of the ten-year yields getting. And once we can get below four and a quarter again, where it should have always been, then we can start talking about uh, things. And and just remember, the the bond market was extremely short. It was extremely oversold. Um, and, uh, when it reverse courses, there are a lot of people who are losing money and they're just covering their shorts and it could, it, it could push the 10 year yield much faster and stronger. And again, this is t- traditionally happens at key technical levels or, you know, uh, 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 market tops or bottoms. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see. We, we still have so much work to do on this to, to, to get rates lower, but at least for this week. Uh, 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 it was positive. And, and again, for those of you that follow my Instagram stories, we, we, we try to teach like the technicals of the 10 year yield. And we had a high, we had a lower high, we had another lower high, and then it snapped. We broke that under 4.87 or got under 4.60. We're snapped. So, uh, there's, there's a process to this. And just this week, I think markets were so oversold on bonds, so shorted that, uh, uh, the the moves are being exaggerated by that. Okay, in the in the last few minutes that we have, I want to talk about inventory because we're uh, it's Friday, which means you get your your uh, Altos data tonight, which you love, um, and so you're going to be able to look at what the inventory is. Um, see, you know, we're in November now. We've had all these things. What do you expect inventory to do? We're we're at the seasonality time of of inventory, so it's not like it's a. Uh, um, a place where inventory will explode higher. So uh, we're going to see when does the seasonal decline start. Now, higher rates have created more inventory. Inventory growth has picked up more later on in the year. In a, in a, in a normal time, we would have inventory declining right now. Uh, but the mortgage rate lockdown is not working again. Higher rates are creating more inventory. So I'm shocked. It, it happened once again. I, I don't understand. I was told, you know, so in any case, uh, uh, the growth rate of inventory has just been slow. And I, I, I just, I'm just going to tell you guys this. There's so many people on, on the internet trying to like make a story. Oh my God, new listings data is up 100. Uh, things are changing. No, there's not. You've got to be careful of people on the internet. New listings data is still trending at the lowest levels ever. Okay. It, it doesn't, nothing happens until you get that growth in this spring and summer months. So uh, the growth rate of inventory we want to see because higher rates, weakness in demand, days on markets, uh, uh, growing should continue that, but we're, we're, we're in November. So usually we see a seasonal decline. Uh, the question is, do we even get to uh, uh, flat to year over year growth? I mean, that's, that's how much the inventory has been growing with higher rates the last few weeks that we're actually talking about. We could be flat to higher now, 
because of higher rates and the mortgage rate lockdown didn't work again. And the growth rate of inventory is picking up just like it has always. It's nothing shocking uh, just because the days on market take lo- uh, longer to sell. So, uh, it, But again, the slope is very slow. We'll see if we could even get to flat to positive this year, which I think you, you can have that uh, occur. But then we counter this. Well, okay, what happens with lower mortgage rates and what? What? how does it go with that? So I'm I'm waiting to see if I even bat. Uh, I, I'm running out of time to even have one inventory growth level hit my target level of 11 to 17,000 on the weekly data. We haven't been there. And it's just that it's it's November now. So the seasonality really kicks in. If this was spring 2024, uh, we probably would have already seen that. But uh, seasonality is is such a big factor at this stage. Uh, we just want to see when does that seasonality really start to kick in. Well, I'm we're going to end this podcast on a positive note because here we have a good jobs report that shows exactly what we thought was happening which will hopefully slow the Fed down and and convince them but but even more than that the bond market has reacted and so mortgage rates going down that's such a positive. Yes, uh and the labor market isn't breaking, it's just slowing back to normal and this is why we 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 always talk about in those labor articles that I write that once we get into that 157 to 159 million, we're we're back to normal, and we shouldn't have these really big job numbers just because of population growth, and the fact that productivity is growing again. I can't stress it. That the best thing I saw this week was the productivity data, and that's that's such a key. Uh, that is the most blessing thing. I got Christmas present early by seeing that. If we could continue that, then you know we're going to start to see the Fed. You know, if the growth rate of inflation slows down even more. Talk about rate cuts to just start making sure that the expansion continues. Because remember, nothing is positive of a job loss recession. There's crazy people out there that have said, yeah, we need millions of people. to." No, you don't need millions of people. Supply trains get better. Supply grows. You find that equilibrium, that balance. So this was a good week in the sense where we're talking about productivity going up, job growth slowing back to normal. We should get that. The strikes messed up some of the data. We just get back to the normal and we could calm things down and and stop fighting a war. We don't need to fight the 1970s. It's not here, right? So uh, uh, positive things on that front. So th- definitely uh, considering that the 10-year yield was recently above 5%, and now lower, any any good news on that front is, 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 a, is a positive. Because for me, it's always the, the housing market revolves around the 10-year yield. And the 10-year yield, a lot of times, the economic data really pushes that. I'll remind our listeners that uh, Logan is giving updates on our Mortgage Rate Center page every day um, about, what, uh, 9 o'clock Central, 7 o'clock your time, something like that, um, AM. You're, you're, you're giving an update just on what the market's done. Yeah, every, uh, every morning uh, around uh, uh, 7 o'clock Pacific times, you know, we just uh, go over, uh, uh, actually, you know, 7 to 7.15, we want to take the latest economic data and see how the 10-year yield revolves around that and then uh, give uh, uh, YouTube updates uh, uh, every morning on the page. And then we just work it from there. And again, you know, a lot of the economic data is between 5.30 to 7. So we just want to see the market reaction. If things get crazy up and down after that, you know, uh, that, that we, we just we just we just go with what happens in the morning and then at least this way people have somewhat of an idea and have a place to go to uh, uh, to see what the market reaction is to the economic reports of that day. Logan, thank you so much for doing that and for being on this podcast. Good news at last and um, we will talk to you soon.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.